Welcome to the Hypergen's Founders Podcast, the show where we explore the secrets behind brilliant minds running successful B2B companies. I'm your host, Alex, and we'll dive into conversations with inspiring founders each week. From garage startups to global enterprises, get ready for inspiration, insights, and secrets behind their success. Stay tuned for engaging discussions on technology innovation and leadership. This is the Founders Podcast. Let's dive in. With me, we have Michael Counts, the co-founder of A-Plan Coaching, which is an optimized, scalable, and tech-enabled virtual coaching service. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Excited thanks. to Thanks. Great here. to be with you. Yeah, thanks. Great to be with you. Cool. Just to kick things off, why don't you tell me the story behind your company, A-Plan Coaching, and why you chose that name? Sure. Definitely. So it's an interesting story in the sense that my career for most of my career, 20 years plus, had nothing to do with coaching. I was a designer, a director, I created theater, immersive theater. And if you Google me, there's very little about coaching and there's a lot about entertainment and art and theater and immersive theater and fashion shows. I designed fashion shows for big designers like Michael Kors and, but my secret weapon as a creative person was that I always worked with a coach. And I didn't talk about it a lot, but it, it definitely was the primary support for me that kept me effective in my life. A lot of people, creative people burn out. Creativity sometimes goes hand in hand with destructive tendencies and self-sabotage and things like that. And coaching really helped me. And then about seven years ago, I had an inflection point in my life and in my career, and I really turned back to coaching. I, I just leaned in hard into coaching because I felt a little stuck and it was so transformative. And I just like the, the the power of it was so clear and unmistakable that I, I paused for a second as an entrepreneur, because even though I was doing creative stuff, I was very entrepreneurial. I said, like, why doesn't everybody have a coach? And I was hearing a lot of my friends and colleagues and people I knew in my life saying just midlife talking about or early in their career, just talking about needing support, needing a resource, needing to answer that question. What do I really want? And where do I want to go? And what's next? And, and is this it? And is this my best? And so I turned to the woman who was my coach at the time, someone I've known for a very long time. She's coached me for most of the last 20 years. And she was uh, a 20 year veteran of coaching. Her father, Dave Ellis was one of the founders of the coaching movement in America this woman, this coach, her name is Sarah Ellis Conant. She had a undergraduate degree from Stanford, an MBA from Stanford, which she was at Deloitte. She knew from coaching, she knew from executive performance, and she had grown up with it with her father being one of the primary, truly one of the founders of the, of the movement of coaching in America. He wrote you know, a dozen books on the topic and trained thousands of coaches. So she knew it like in her bones. And I said, I think I have a vision for scaling coaching. And if you look back, coaching is much more in vogue now, but seven years ago, it wasn't. It was still something that was fringe in, in a lot of ways, especially in business. And I thought we could take this more mainstream. We could democratize access to this. We could shift the branding, help people understand what coaching is, how it's different than other things that people may misunderstand it as. At the time, it was like alpha, heavy performance executive coaching for high-level executives. 
or it was like this sort of new agey life coaching, very soft edged, very squishy, very unclear benefits service that was very West Coasty. I'm, I'm a New Yorker myself, so I say that with love, but it was very West Coasty and very kind of new agey at the time. And I thought that what about everybody else? There's this big middle section. And so we set about building the company, which involved a lot of things. I won't get into all of them now, maybe later in the discussion, but it involved adding technology, optimizing the service, making it more efficient for people, helping clarify people's understanding of what it is and why it works, making it better and more effective for coaches so we could lower the price point and, and many other things. But we started doing that and we started with a handful of very select coaches and we started to grow and it started to work. And then the industry really came up around us. And at the time, BetterUp was barely formed, which is now a, you know, a multi-billion dollar company in our space. I think people have woken up, especially post-COVID and COVID was a huge accelerator of the need and people's understanding of the importance of mental health. But to your question about the name, it's simple in a way. It, it actually has two meanings. The first is what's your A plan? Not your B plan or your C plan. What are you going to settle for? But what's your ideal, right? If you could wave a magic wand and have anything you want in your life, that's your A plan. That's what you want most. And also the second meaning is that we believe that once you've figured out what you want, the most important and most powerful way to go about getting it is to make a plan and to set a map and we actually call them MAPS. It's an acronym for multiple action plans to pursue your goals because plans don't always go according to, 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 to how you envision them. And sometimes there are roadblocks and obstacles. So the idea of how do you get there, come what may. And I think a lot of people don't ever ask, what do I really want? And they don't ever ask, how can I really get that and break it down into like tiny steps is critical to making progress. I think oftentimes people get overwhelmed. They say, I want to do that. I want to have this kind of career. And they look at it like in total and they're like, oh my God, that's overwhelming. But if you break anything down into what's the next right action, what do I have to do this morning to pursue that goal? It's very easy. That step is, okay, I can do that. I can make that phone call. But if you think about it as what do I need to do to build this company? It's much harder much more overwhelming. And I think people walk away and get discouraged when they don't have a plan that is broken down into lots of little steps. So anyway, the long answer, there's a lot more to it, I could say, but I think that's certainly an intro. Yeah. And I can relate to that last thing you said. Actually, funny enough, I have an art background as well. So I know how people, they tend to be even more, not as business oriented, more confused. So I feel people there, especially on the business coaching side, they need it. But I remember seeing this video. It was this founder who was also, I think, a marathon runner. He had a big econ brand, but he said that when you're running a business or even in your personal life, it's not about the whole marathon. It's more the step-by-step -step that you take. And that gradual progress that you make. And I think that makes a lot of sense that when you have those big goals, it really does paralyze you. Whereas yeah. if you really break it down into bite-sized steps that you can achieve, it makes much more sense. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that tracking progress is also critical. Seeing it 
And I think that's where coaching is especially powerful, especially our method of coaching. We have an app that, that is really designed to help people track their progress and, 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 I, and see the progress they're making, see the steps that they're taking, see how far they've come in many respects, because we believe that, that momentum builds momentum and progress begets progress. And when you see, wow, I had a, I had a killer week. I got a lot done this week. You feel good. You, you're more optimistic about next week. And I think people are naturally negatively biased, right? It's part of our genetics and our, our DNA, how we evolved. Our ancestors who were the most threat oriented, the most negatively biased were the ones that survived. And, and so in our coding in a way, and you have to counteract that. And I think it's critical to counteract that. And when you, a lot of people like would look at their week and say, God, I didn't do enough. I didn't get everything done. You got a lot done. And, and if you can look at it that way and say, I got a lot done and I'm going to get a lot more done next week. And you go into the next week's more positively minded and, and in a more of a positive mindset than feeling down on yourself. Nothing good comes from feeling down on yourself. Nothing good comes from being stuck in fear, being stuck in a sense of being bummed out. And I think that that's critical. So we track micro accomplishments. We encourage people to write down tiny little steps that you've taken every day. I made that phone call. I did the podcast recording. I sent those emails. I worked out whatever it is that's moving you in that direction. And part of the genius to me of our method is that our app is two-sided, right? So that the coach is receiving information from the client and vice versa. When you track any micro step, your coach gets a ping, they get a notification and they can respond, just give you a high five. They see it, right? Part of it is about making it apparent and making it visible to everyone that's involved. So your coach sees that you did three little steps this morning and they can just give you a thumbs up or a high five. And that from a neurochemical standpoint, that has an impact and people see, I got a high five. I feel good. It's the reason people get addicted to social media is we love the thumbs up. We love the, the feedback and, and that helps cement the progress and cement the feelings of I'm, I'm getting this done. And I think that people build on that. And over time, it's shocking how much progress one can make. I like how you're using the bad stuff about social media, what yeah. gets people addicted, actually turn into something positive. And I agree. I think that lizard brain, as we call it, like yep. you said, it made us survive. So it still has a big impact on our life. It's just how we evolved. But I want to take a step back. You're super passionate about, like contagious about uh, how you're talking about coaching. But what's so interesting to you about it? Because maybe it had such a big impact on your life that you wanted to impact more people as well. There's a lot of theory. There's a book, and I encourage people to check it out, written by Tom Friedman, called Thank You for Being Late. And in the book, he refers to a conversation that he had with Astro Teller, who was at the time the CEO of Google X. And together, they made this little graph. And the graph showed the pace of change in our civilization and human adaptability. And their theory is that in the last couple of decades, some people believe it's 2007 when the iPhone was introduced and big data took off and social media really accelerated, that the, the, those, those two lines crossed and that we moved into a place where everybody was feeling like that things were changing, both individually and societally, things were changing faster than they could keep up with. And when I read that in, in Tom's book and I saw that graph, I was like, that's how I feel. And, and I'm like, that's how my mother feels. Like, oh, my mother in her 70s, every time there's a new piece of technology, she's like, how do you send a picture again? I want to see a picture of my grandkids. Like, Things are changing so fast and they can't keep up. And I was like, okay, that's happening on a global scale. 
That's happening everywhere. People who are pushing back against change in our cultures, when it's happening in, in my culture in the US, and as things are changing, things are evolving, there are new rights for people that historically were kept down. And I think that, that that's great progress, but a lot of people get freaked out by progress. And I think that some of that is people are, are wired now to in a certain level of resistance, a certain level of fear. Things are changing, global warming. There's lots of things to be upset and concerned about, right? COVID, there are lots of things. And when I saw that and read that, I believe for me, that's what's happening globally. And I think that people are stuck in a place of fear. And I think that when I looked at that in, in a very granular way, I, I realized that as a collective, as a civilization, we're not really asking the question, what do we really want? What do we really want? Do we want this? Do we want this unequal, unfair distribution of wealth in our planet? Do we want some mega rich and millions, billions starving? Do we want to be killing our planet? Or is that just the byproduct of other things that we've done or other reactions we've had to fear and uncertainty? And I honestly believe that both for myself, coaching helped me a lot, sure. But I looked at my kids and the world that they were growing up in. And I, and I really believe in my heart that coaching is one of the things that is necessary. It's a growing industry like blockchain, like longevity science, like a lot of the things that are happening in energy production. It's like these, these foundational industries that I think are part of the transformation that has to happen for our civilization to thrive and in, into the future. And I, I was like, how do we scale that? How do we get more people asking the question, what do I really want? How do we get more people not stuck in a place of fear? How do we get more people designing their best life and going after it? Because I think that when people do that, they're happier. When they're happier, they're more engaged and more fulfilled. I think they're less likely to act out against each other. They're less likely to be resistant and conflict-oriented. And our position, the way we define a plan is coaching for change makers. Like we want to coach the people who are impacting the world in a positive way. We just won our biggest contract ever with the Obama Foundation. So President Obama and, and, and Michelle Obama created a foundation after his presidency. And the idea was to, to support emerging leaders, to support change in the ways that they could, no longer as president, but as a, a leader in the world. And so they picked 100 people in the United States. They did a similar program internationally, and they said, we want to give these 100 leaders from very diverse backgrounds and very diverse industries and sectors, and we want to give them things that help them achieve their mission, because we want to be wind in their sails. And one of the primary things that they're giving to those people is A-plan coaching. And to me, that was the realization of a lot of our commitment to making a difference in the world. And we do that far and wide. We work with lots of change makers, lots of foundations, lots of mission-driven companies, lots of innovative tech companies, but helping people who are doing good in the world do it better and more effectively is the contribution that I intend to make my future. And now to one of your earlier questions or something we, maybe we talked about in the pre-discussion is, is AI. And we're applying AI now to make coaching more scalable than it was before. And I think that AI is really one of the primary ways that coaching is going to reach a billion people or more. Because in a one-on-one, -on -one, like if coaching is like me talking to you and, and us doing this live, it's very inefficient. It's not really scalable. If I can amplify and extend the reach of an individual coach from 20 or 30 people 
which is what a coach can work with today to 20 or 30,000 people or 30 million people, then we've got something. And I think that's what large language models can do. We're developing technology now to take a single coach and we have 70, soon we'll have a hundred, someday we'll have a thousand coaches, the best in the world. And we're giving them a way to extend their reach through AI and not by creating a single coaching chatbot, which others are doing. I'm like, great, you, you guys do that. What we're going to do is take an existing live human coach and extend their reach and amplify their impact and their voice and their consciousness through AI. And I think that's a better model because I think that people want to have the human connection, even if it's virtual, they want to know that the coach, the AI coach that I'm talking to is derived from a human being and a human coach and a human consciousness. And there are other ways that we're designing to create those interactivities. So it is human to human. Yeah. And I just want to say, I want to take a step back and I love what you said about your mission that you're trying to improve the human consciousness in, in general, trying to make humanity better overall, which I think it's definitely needed more because there's a lot of organizations that are not doing so good. I think that's super inspiring. And I think yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs like us, they started their companies because of similar reasons. I also want to take a step back and you mentioned a couple of like your customers, like from a business perspective, how did you identify your target market? And actually, what is your main focus? Do you guys mostly work with like big corporations? Do you also work with smaller companies? We started with a vision of, of sort of B2C, right? Coaching for individuals. Mm -hmm. That's still a core part of A-Plan's mission. And I think it's something that's growing. And early on, we decided to focus on... B2B coaching companies, we set our mission as coaching for change makers. So it was certain types of companies that we wanted to work with and certain types of coaches that we wanted to bring in that excelled at really coaching a certain type of leader and a certain type of change maker. And we've worked with lots of different kinds of companies in lots of different sectors, but I'd say change innovation, doing things differently is the common denominator. And we work with companies big and small. We work with lots of VCs, bring us in to coach at their portfolio companies where we might coach the two founders or an early management team. And we coach at big companies like Stripe where it's thousands of people. And we coach at Autodesk and we've been there for a long time. And we coach at the Tides Foundation, which is a you know billion dollar foundation that touches all aspects of our culture in ways that are very positive. They're a fiscal sponsor for Black Lives Matter and, and all kinds of huge impact. I think that I'm a huge believer in wanting to reach individuals. And even in the B2B instances where we're working with companies, our alignment and our allegiance is really to the end user and the individual, right? There are companies out there that like say, hey, we coach for companies and they're really an extension of management. And they report back to the company. We tell the company like, hey, your, your people are going to be more effective and you're going to do better as a company if your people are fulfilled and they're engaged and they're happy and they're full of purpose and they're living a balanced and sustainable life. And let us do that for you. And then we work with the individuals. We keep our confidentiality is oriented around the individual. So we're not like reporting back. It's not about just about performance improvements and things like that. It's about really helping people figure out their A plan. And, and that might mean leaving the company. It might mean doing something different. It might mean lots of things, but we believe that 
creating that alignment is better for everybody. Right now, our business is about 75 B2B, 25 B2C. I think our goal for the, for the coming year is to equalize that. AI will ultimately accelerate the B2C part of our business because reaching individuals at scale I think is possible when you have AI and bringing the price point down. I mean, part of the factor for coaching is it's expensive. It's not even ours, our, our like democratized and an optimized version is not inexpensive. It's, it's less expensive than it was a few years ago. And it's less expensive than most of our competitors, but it's still an investment. But AI is going to enable us to drop the price down to a micro fraction, a fraction of 1% on an hourly basis of what coaching costs today. And I think that that's where all of a sudden it becomes available to people who it's never been available to on an individual basis. And that's what I'm excited about because I think that's where we start to have a huge impact on our communities and on our countries and on our civilization. I like what you said that you're more people oriented versus company oriented. Actually brings me to my other question. What makes you guys different from all the other competitors like in the coaching space? Because there's a lot, right? Yeah. What sure. makes you guys uh, unique? I think our technology and our user experience is different, but I would say fundamentally, it's that our coaches have a consistent methodology. And there are companies out there that say, hey, we're a coaching platform. And whether they're saying it explicitly or not, their thesis is coaching is all one thing. And we don't believe that. The people say it like that. You take 10 coaches, they're all doing the same thing. They're not. And what we've done is create from some of the most experienced coaches in the industry, anywhere in the world, is really figured out what we believe to be the best practices and the best approach and the best tools. And then we've created consistent language around those things so that when we send 50 coaches in to coach, hundred people at a company, everyone's sharing vocabulary and sharing tools and sharing resources and sharing approaches. And it has an amplifying effect. It's not people being individually coached. The end is greater than the sum of the parts because now you've created a culture of coaching and a growth mindset across the organization through the consistent application of shared tools. And also when it's a shared methodology, it's like how AI improves and how machine learning improves. If we learn something that works better, it, it's, it's very quickly applied to all coaches. It's not everyone's doing their own thing. And coaches get to bring their own personality and style and certain people have their background and they bring that expertise. But in terms of an approach and in terms of how that approach is tied to technology, it's consistent. And I think that's our, our single biggest differentiator and we've also been committed to diversity, right? So like we have won many contracts because the, the company was said, you guys have the most diverse pool of coaches of anyone. And we set about doing that from inception in 2017. And we've built upon that and doubled down on it at every turn. And we think, look, if you're going to coach, you're trying to coach everybody and, and across, across, we coach internationally now, we have to be representative of everybody. And, um, and so that takes effort and that takes real commitment to that. It's easy to say that a lot of companies say we have commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, but they're not really walking their talk. And so we've made a commitment to walk our talk. And, and I think companies see that and then they engage us over other companies because of that differentiator and that advantage.
And for the B2B audience out there, you mentioned you have like such a diverse pool of coaches. How do you pick the right coach for a person or like an organization? What do you guys look for? There's, there are many X factors and it would be hard to explain like, oh, we're looking for this, but we are incredibly selective. We started with the best coaches we could find. And we said, who are the best coaches? And, and give put some reputational risk on them. It's, Don't bring us anybody that, that you're not going to stand behind. And we've built it that way. And we have a lot of training that we do and it's ongoing. We have a, a pretty rigorous onboarding process. And there's an interview process and a vetting process. And some of the two of the most experienced coaches in our community um, approve each person coming in. And they're, they're this tiny subset of ICF um, certified coaches at a master certified coach level, which is a tiny subset of all coaches. The people who are doing that for us have two or three decades of experience coaching. And we have a, a waiting list that's quite long at this point of coaches that want to join our platform and haven't yet been accepted in because we, we're either not ready to grow to that level or we've determined that there are other coaches that 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 would serve us and our clients better than those individuals. And, and I'll say the last thing, not to knock any of the other companies in our space, but a lot of the other companies have taken a very like sort of tech oriented growth mindset around raising venture capital and understand the pressures of that. But they've been like sort of growth at any cost. And, and I think that a lot of them are suffering from that now. And, and in some ways, it's like the turtle and the hare. They were sprinting and we took a slow and steady wins the race approach. And we built our company and our culture and our values very methodically. We've built our method and our tech very methodically. We iterated for years on our platform and then raised money to invest just in that platform. And we've been slower to grow, but I think our we're built on a stronger foundation of bedrock, whereas others are built a little bit more on sand because they just were like, let's just grow fast. And we have lots of coaches in our roster who are leaving some of those other bigger companies and saying, we really prefer the values and we prefer the culture and we prefer the mindset at A-Plan over these other companies because they're just trying to commoditize coaching. And, and we're not trying to do that. We're trying to provide the best coaching. And, and we've often said, we don't care if we're the biggest, we just want to be the best. <laughs> you know, And I think we're, I think we're slowly achieving that because we're in the business of transformation, right? I'm not in the business of providing coaching. We often say to companies when we're meeting with them in a B2B context, what are the outcomes you're seeking? Ultimately, we're selling outcomes. We're selling progress. We're selling success and transformation. Coaching is a means to do that. And we have other tools in our toolkit, but that's the primary. And, and I think other companies are doing something different and I respect what the, what their approach, but it's just not what we're doing. And I think that coaches see that. I think our B2B customers see that. I think a lot of our individual clients see that. And that's been my bet. I think that we're going to, we invested a lot of our own money in this, which is a different mindset. And this was very a bootstrapped owned by the team, owned by the coaches approach to starting a business as opposed to just traditional VC. Yeah, and I can get behind that. Like whenever you're bootstrapping, because we're the same way we haven't raised any capital, it's you need to rely like more on the people, like really they're the center, especially if there's like a service part involved in there. And it really sounds like if you have that big wait list of coaches and the way you're talking, 
that you guys really value your coaches, make sure they're yeah. heard. And it sounds like they enjoy working with you guys. So I'm guessing that's why they stick more. Because I also think like at the end of the day, especially when there's a service part involved, as long as you keep your people happy and you have top talent, Oh, sorry. My camera does the zooming thing. That's, okay. that's really the method for success. It's really making sure your talent is happy and then that can translate into your clients. A hundred percent. Our coaches are our most important thing. We invest in them. Hmm. Awesome. And then I guess the other thing is, let's say I'm a company, right? And I'm wondering, do I need coaching for my employees? I don't need it. What are the most typical reasons employees actually need or require coaching? Why should they actually get it? I believe everyone needs a coach. And there's a video that we've put out where some of the most successful executives, the Bill Gates, Eric Schmidt, Atul Gawande, people talking about what is the key to success and their thesis, and we agree, is that everyone needs a coach. People are really bad at seeing how things that they're doing and saying are landing. And if you think about every performer, every great athlete has someone that stands outside and says, do the, try this a little differently. Or did you mean to do that? Or gives them a perspective that we can just never see ourselves as others see us. It's just impossible. And so I believe that coaching helps Everyone do whatever they're trying to do better. It can help someone be a better athlete for sure. It can help someone be a better performer or singer or manager or executive or entrepreneur or coder or designer or artist. You name the thing and getting someone to support you in those four steps that I mentioned earlier. One, seeing what you're doing well. Start there right? What are you excited about? What brings you joy? What can you celebrate? What are you grateful for? Two, what do you want? What do you really want from here forward in the future in all domains of your life and career and, and everything? Three, what are paths you can take to pursue those? What are immediate steps you can take to pursue those longer term goals? In our words, maps, multiple action plans for how you're going to get there. And then four, we support people along the way because there's going to be course correction. There are going to be moments when you feel a setback and want to give up. And I think that anyone pursuing anything will benefit from those four things. And that's what A-Plan Coaching provides. And I think we provide it really well. And I think a lot of people come to us in crisis. A lot of people come to us and say, oh, we need help. Some people, the really smart ones come and they say, we're not in crisis, but we know that our people will do better if they have the agenda-free thought partnership and support of a coach. And we just happen to do it better than most because we've been iterating for a long time, in some instances with some of our coaches for decades on how to do it best. What are the best tools? What are the best questions? What are the best reflections? What are the best personal tracking? What are the best ways to approach one's day-to-day -day life that bring the most success and sustainability and joy and fun and connection. And I think that everyone will do better when they're in that place, having that support. So I believe that everyone needs a coach and a lot of people to date, we haven't found the sweet spot yet because a lot of people say it's too expensive or we as a business can't afford it. We're trying to change that and through the application of technology and through the optimization of a, a service, AI is going to be a big part of that, I believe, in the future to bring the price down where it's it's no longer, you know, 
an issue and everyone can have it. And I think that in that instance, everyone will have it and everyone will want it and everyone will see the benefit of it. And it'll just become just a huge part of what it means to live in our time. And honestly, I used to be biased for it. So you don't need coaching. You don't need any help because I used to read, let's say a lot of self-help and a lot of the stuff there was very generic. But really, like we started seeing growth, immense growth in our business once we found someone who's really good at sales. So actually helping us hire our sales team, coaching our sales teams. And once we found, let's say, a personal mentor for us, for me and my co-founder was coaching us from a business perspective. Let's say instead of thinking day to day, think of what are the big KPIs, what are the big goals? Because nobody ever taught me that. And yeah, I really think everyone needs it and you really need to find that right person. And I like what you all said before that it's, they're not working with the company, they're working with the individual, which I think it's always uh, crucial. Um, cool. Yeah. And you touched on this, but I'd love for you to talk uh, about this a bit more versus when you started out versus where you are now. How did you approach building out and developing a plan coaching? What are some of the big changes that you guys made along the way? Because you guys have been at it for a while. It's been what, five plus years? I think with any startup and any journey, there are going to be hits and misses. There are going to be great hires and not great hires. And there are going to be missed opportunities and there are going to be things that just dumb luck falls in your lap. And I think for us, we had a good start. And then there was a point at which we had enough evidence of success that some of the key people really leaned into the business. My partner, co-founder, Sarah Ellis Conant, as I said, is you know, someone I've known for 25 years, was my coach for a long time, so I trust deeply, where she was like maintaining her private practice and she was getting an A-plan off the ground because she couldn't risk everything. But there was a point at which she said, this is going to work. And she folded everything into A-plan. And there was a point at which I did the same. And then there was a point at which a few others did that. And then we raised a little bit of money to make some key hires, but we've been very cautious. Sarah and I balance each other very well. I'm looking to the horizon and she's in the right now and I'll swing for the fences. And she's a very responsible, conservative person when it comes to our you know, finances and risk-taking. And, and that's been a great balance. We raise money through a crowdfunding platform, which was, I think, a smart move for us. It adds a lot of administrative burden, but we have 200 investors out there that are like invested in our success. Some of them invested as little as $1,000, but they're really into what we're doing. They want to see us succeed and they want to see their $1,000 become $50,000 in time. That kind of commitment to us. And when we've been... I think one of the other things is like not moving so fast that we've made certain decisions um, over time that showed our values and our culture and our commitment to doing things a certain way to others that over time attracts the right management team and attracts the right COO. It attracts the right head of customer success and being true to our values, not being opportunistic or like I said before about walking the talk. We've made some hard decisions that maybe slowed us down, but were the result of a commitment to doing things a certain way. And over time, that may have been given us a little headwind in the short term, but ultimately gives us real wind in our sails in the long term and helps other companies like the Obama Foundation, as one example, see us and say, they're the ones. 
that's who we want to work with. Those people are committed to the things that we're committed and they've proven it over the long term. You can't fake that. You have to really be committed to that. And probably a million other things. We work with a coach, Sarah and I, we have individual coaches and we have a coach that coaches us together. I think partnerships are hard. Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. There have been times where cash flow was an issue and we were paying our coaches and paying our staff and Sarah and I were taking it on the chin sometimes. And we've outgrown that for the most part, but it's like, those are tough moments, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I think that what we're doing is not only good business, but I think it's important. I, I, you're a bit younger than I am. I have two kids who are teenagers now. And I think a lot about the world that they're growing up in and the, the commitment that I made, my reason for wanting to have a social impact and help elevate consciousness on the planet. As crazy and as audacious as that sounds, I mean it because I want my kids to grow up in a better world than, than one that's not quite as riddled with conflict and resistance and unhealthy habits and consumerism and different things. And I think that coaching is a way to do that. Coaching promotes those fundamental questions like, what do we really want? How are we going to get there? And I think that our world needs to ask that question more. And I think as it does, things will get better. Yeah. And honestly, I've always thought about that as well. Because let's say when I was growing up, for example, I was bullied and there was different stuff happening. And I don't want my kid to go through those issues. And then yep. you go to countries where there isn't enough food, enough resources, which is even worse. What is going on here? It should be an easy fix. So I think those are issues that all entrepreneurs, all people should be focused on fixing. And I love how you mentioned that you and your co-founder have different personalities. And funnily enough, I match with you more, like I'm more visionary, whereas my co-founder, he's also more pessimistic. He's looking at the pennies, how we're spending this, how we're spending that. And I feel an important key for success, especially when you're starting a company, it's important to get a co-founder or co-founders, if you get any, to be with different skills, because at the end of the day, you don't want the same person. You want someone who has a different perspective. But it sounds like you guys have been through a lot as any bootstrap business. What have been like the most significant challenges that you faced as like a founder? I think complacency in, in, in business generally. I think that there are, and by that, a lot of companies that we talk to know that coaching would be great for them would it would know that they need it and it's it's one of those things that falls into it's important but not urgent or it's a nice to have but not a must have and i think i think anything that's going to help you succeed and help your people thrive is a must have and i think a lot of companies we worked with one company <laughs> it just blew my mind they we were talking to them about we were hearing from clients that people were burning out and people were struggling and that the culture was toxic and they were like, yeah, we, we burn people out and then we get new people. <laughs> I just thought, wow, like what a short-sighted perspective. And, and that it made me sad. And I just thought, wow, like I'm, I'm short that company. Like I'm not, I don't think that's a long-term strategy. And I think that's short-sighted. And I think people, a lot of companies have some version of that or some version of just a com little bit complacent where just not making the investment is is okay. And, and I support, and I'm a real believer in, in the companies that do. And I think that's the really only headwind that I think we've experienced. I, I think not taking venture capital has been the right decision for us. And 
but it, it definitely it's if we had money to just throw out problems all the time, maybe that would be feel better in the short term. I don't think it would make us a more successful company, but. I think that there are times when cash flow has been an issue. There are times where we wanted to hire more. There are times where we wanted to pay more for someone and lure them away from something else or invest in things in a different and more accelerated way than we could. I'm a believer that things are happening just the way they're supposed to. So I, I don't I don't really chalk up a lot of like, oh man, like that, that's that struggle, that challenge, that friction. I'm a believer in turning challenges into opportunities. I wish I could wave a magic wand and help all these companies that think that coaching is a nice to have and not a must have see the potential impact because those who do understand that the ROI is like net positive by a multiple, you know, that what they save in retention, what they save in not having to replace people, what they save, what they earn in productivity, the benefits of long-term success that accrue to them through having their people be working in a better way, feeling more valued, working more sustainably, having a better life, being happier in their career, being happier in their work at the company. Like those things are priceless. And they the companies that really invest in them are the companies that succeed in the biggest way. And I just wish I could help people see that. And my mission is to do that over time, but I wish I could sometimes convince companies that are like, yeah, we'll get with you guys next quarter. I'm like, why wait? <laughs> yeah, I can I understand that like a lot of companies, especially smaller companies, I feel like it's like they're after that instant ROI. It's what can increase my leads? What can increase my pipeline? Yeah. We're fortunate that we fall in that category, but I know there's services like yours or where it's harder to, I guess, prove or people have a certain stigma or bias to it. But yeah, that makes sense that it's more challenging to penetrate there. There's a great, I'll actually share with you. It's a guide that we published on the ROI of coaching and it makes the case that it's effectively a 4X ROI for every mm -hmm. dollar you get back for in savings or, or increased productivity. So I'm, I'd be happy to share that with you. Anybody who's listening and wants to understand how we formulated that, here's how. Yeah, of course. Let's prove the people wrong. I'm down for it. <laughs> Awesome. And then as a final question, what advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs looking to enter the B2B SaaS or even B2C market? Uh, well, first I'd say get a coach. I was talking with someone the other day about the, the single most important resource that I would offer to anybody um, before capital is get a coach because the coach is going to help you understand one, what are your strengths and what are you building on? What do you want as a company, as an individual, as a founder, as a co-founder, whatever? Three, how are you going to get there and then help you pursue it along the way? Add to that capital. Add to that the right team. If you have capital on the wrong team, before you have all that, you're going to misspend, you're going to misfire, you're going to set the foundation wrong and you can't build on a poor foundation. I know that sounds like I'm just drinking my own Kool-Aid and, and pitching my own book, but I really believe that. And then I would say persist. One of my heroes, Russell Simmons, who founded Def Jam Records, famously said, the mistake that most entrepreneurs make is they just give up too soon. And I think persistence is the key to success, in my opinion. It becomes a mathematical certainty that you will succeed in some version if you just persist, it may take a while, but you will get there if you persist. And I would say those are the primary things and work sustainably, have a great life, focus on 
this is something I didn't do. And I wish I could have could go back and do it better and do it differently, which is I now live a really balanced life. I spend a lot of time in my self-care and wellness and time with my kids and time with my wife and time with my friends and time with family. And for a long time, I didn't. And I burned, and it's not that I burned out. I would put 90% of my energy into work and 10% of my time into everything else. And I think I encourage people now to find balance, really think about what you want, not just in your career and financially maybe, but what do you want in terms of fun? One of the things we do as coaches is we say, let's invent things that you want, goals that you have, intentions you have, desires you have in all domains of your life, short-term, long-term, fun, travel, wellness, love, romance, friendships, family, pets, <laughs> you name it. And it's just think and dream and know that anything's possible and have a diverse and broad life. Because often is one of the things I learned most importantly from my coach is that sometimes the key to unlock something in one domain of my life is hidden in another unrelated, seemingly unrelated domain. And I need to go there to find the key to unlock this thing over here. Sometimes it's it's health and wellness. It's exercise improves my productivity and my impact at board meetings. <laughs> you never know, but I think you have to have diversity in your life and in your community. And I think that's maybe the last thing I would say. Awesome. We heard it from Michael, guys. I guess now the market's so bad that you can't raise that much money anyway. So why not just spend a couple bucks on a coach, see where it takes you. And then don't just focus on your work life, but look at into your personal life because I can agree to that. Work-life balance is important especially when you go to fitness, when you meditate, that just impacts even your work and makes you even just better. But Michael, wonderful having you. Thanks so much Thanks. for the talk. I think it was amazing. It was a pleasure, pleasure. And uh, yeah, find us online, a-plancoaching.com. It was a pleasure, real pleasure to yeah. speak with you today. Also, Michael, that was, that was really good. That was my pleasure. Have a great day. Have a great day. Bye. See you, bye-bye.